Hi, this is Haley Beebe, the Carveline Color Admin. Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Janus. All right, Paul. So here we are again. Another day in the coronavirus times. Sure is. How you been doing, Jack? You know, doing what I can. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's about the same here. I've become a landscaper. Yeah. Oh, have you? Yeah. 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 Did uh, some full on landscaping. Excellent. Tore out Excellent. big bushes and dug and doing retaining walls and everything. Oh, uh, yeah. No, we haven't been that ambitious. I've gotten a few things done, but not too much. This really has become a good time for, you know, making making contacts, reaching out, talking to people, you know, that you see in the neighborhood, maybe, you know, had any interesting contacts you made lately? Yeah, we've uh, kind of started to get to know our entire neighborhood. We have a bunch of new neighbors, but I know where you were trying to go. So let me try that again. Yeah. Uh, so recently I got a lead, you know, that thing we've been looking for a helicopter and a friend of a yeah. friend, you know, I was outside, I was talking to somebody and they, they know this guy. So I called him and his name's Murdoch. He's, he's a little off the beaten path. I think, I think he got messed up back in the Vietnam war, but he's got a helicopter. The price is right. He's a little off his rocker, which is exactly what we need. If we want to push the CFO out of a helicopter. So we need a pilot that's on board. Excellent. Excellent. Jack, I love it when a plan comes together. Yeah, you do. And so we just got to figure out how we're going to get BA knocked out so we can get them on the helicopter. So we're going to continue today, you know, Oh wait, sorry. Let's finish this thought. Many people, we talked about it last week, said Jeff Redfern, we're not going to happen. We're not going to get him. I mean, I was specifically told you ain't ever getting him. I I took that as challenge accepted. Right? Challenge accepted. He's the kind of guy that you never really know. He he might be in for something like this, (laughs) and he might not have time for our shenanigans. That's that's probably the more realistic thing. I I think this seems to be I've I've talked to him a few times socially. I feel like this is the kind of thing he might be he might be up for. Yeah, after talking to Murdoch the last couple of times, I'm really excited because he's he's working on getting the fight plan uh filed with the FAA so that we can do this and uh it'll be good. Well hell, there's no there's no planes in the air right now, so it's not like he's got a lot to contend with. There are fewer. But remember, we have to wait until we can all be together again. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeff, you, you have some respite, but we're coming. And uh, I hope you like jumping out of helicopters. If not, we'll have to do something a different way and push you out. Well, we can drug him like B.A. There you go. There you go. Wait, we shouldn't say that on a very popular podcast because then okay, we could done. be incriminated against we have to be better criminals in this paul so we will not we, we're striking that from the record we will not be uh yep. drugging you mr redfern wink wink you, nudge nudge you're gonna take that out in post sure so today we're coming along and we've been building up and talking about different things that affect the cost of a corrosion control coatings program Whether the surface prep, uh, the location of the surface prep, the type of surface prep, the coating, the type of coating technology. And so those coating technologies that we talked about for the last two episodes 
usually are used together to create a coding system. Very rarely in any true effort to uh, dissuade corrosion are you using just one coat of a product. There are times. Cape Canaveral is a perfect example. Three mils of Carbazinc 11, 60 years. Hard to beat. You have a lot of OEM situations where they would use single components of the different products that we talked about the last uh, couple uh, episodes. You know, in the OEMs, you're going to see alkyds and single coat DTM, urethanes and polyaspartics and things like that. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time when you're looking at these, the key factor as to how many coats of paint you need, a lot of times is going to come down to one of two factors mainly your service environment. What's it going to be exposed to? And the other one is going to be what's the type of paint that you're putting on and how well is that going to do in that environment, which is exactly the case like the Carbazinc 11, you know, you put in organic zinc at, you know, Cape Canaveral. It does fantastic. If you were to have put just an epoxy on there, it doesn't matter who's epoxy. It's not going to give you that 60 years of service out of an epoxy. Right. And so... I think it's best to start with the tried and true system, the stand, the gold standard, if you will, for the atmospheric protection of structural steel. And keep in mind, this is not in any way, shape or form meant to be an all inclusive exploration of the different systems that are available because you can literally mix and match most of these products without much problems generically speaking, there may be some individual situations where they have compatibility issues, but like generically across the board, you can switch in a lot of these in and out. Um, you yeah. know, and you do see that in these systems, you'll see a lot of them where you've got the first two coats are the same. And we just changed through three different types of top coats. And I think for the purpose of this episode, because we don't have forever, we're going right. to talk about organic and inorganic zinc rich coatings kind of in the same breath. I mean, traditionally, inorganic by themselves will give you a couple more years than an organic just out of the nature of the type of the binder that holds that zinc together. However, once you get them both in a system, their performance and longevity are very similar. That's right, Jack. And I mean, this is kind of held to if you just look at like system, you know, the one system that we have here, system 30 on this document, you know, organic zinc, epoxy, polyurethane. That's the one that we that we. We haven't actually mentioned what that gold standard is, but that's the type of system we're looking at. You know, and it's ranking it at, ranking it at 29 years for a rural environment. And if we just scoot over just a little bit and we change that inorganic zinc, and we're looking at system 37, we went to 30 years. So it's not a huge difference. So from the standpoint of what we're doing today, we can just say zinc because in most of these scenarios, when you're applying top coats, that's the really the key thing. Organic zinc, if you leave it untop coated, is going to have a system life similar to of an epoxy. Sure. Yeah, because it's an organic coating. It's a, but once you put top coats on it, that really kind of levels the playing field between the two of them for life cycle. Not in what they do or how they do it, but in the life of that system, because that's not your weak link anymore. All right, Paul, here we go. It's that time where uh, I guess we're going to talk about you and your guys again. Hey, you know, that's always a good place to start. I mean, I don't know why we do that. You already got big enough pads. <laughs> we're just trying to fill the space that has been presented to us. And when you have an industry-leading technical team, it's great to keep them out there in front of everybody. 
That's right. Monday through Friday from 8 p.m. to 5 p.m. Central Time, you can reach our award-winning technical service department just by chat. Go to carboline.com, and in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll see a little dialog box. Just go ahead and click on there, and you'll get one of Paul's and his guys. And if you get Paul, make sure you call him Paul. Now back to the show. So let's break it down here for a second on how that system works, because it is the gold standard. You have your zinc-rich coating, and that zinc-rich coating provides galvanic protection. With that galvanic protection, you're getting increased corrosion resistance over any other type of coating. Now, when that coating starts to break down, it's because moisture from the atmosphere will react with that zinc and start to break that coating down. To protect that zinc, we put an epoxy barrier coat on. So now that barrier coat of that epoxy separates the moisture in the atmosphere from getting to that zinc. And so now you've protected the zinc uh, with another coating, allowing longer time to go before that zinc starts to break down. That's right. So you're, you're always just delaying the time until the next coat actually has to start working. Correct. And then how we protect that, because what, what we know about epoxies is they aren't great in UV. They're really durable. They're really good for corrosion protection. They're outstanding for barrier protection, but they're not good for UV resistance. So when we mix in a urethane top coat, now we are protecting that epoxy from UV uh, with that urethane. And we're probably giving it a a little bit of increased abrasion resistance because the urethanes universally are a little bit tougher. Mm Mm-hmm. That, that one took me a long time to learn. It really broke my brain for a long time because everybody thinks of epoxies as like the toughest, best thing in the world, right? And um, the fact that polyurethanes um, have better wear is um, took a while for my brain to just finally accept. Right. And really the, the real reason being is you have to think about what they're exposed to and how they're wearing as to what their durability is. If you throw a urethane on the inside of, let's say, a hopper car, you know, uh, and you put an, an aliphatic acrylic urethane on the inside, and it's it's going to wear away pretty quickly because that's not what it was designed to do. But when you put it up against wind and rain and sun and some dust particles that are in the air, it is untouchable. It does fantastic. And that's really, you need to make sure that you're putting it into the right environment for what it's supposed to do. And I'm going to say something a little bit controversial here. If you add a clear coat, a polyurethane clear coat over the top of that polyurethane. So now we're at a four coat system and I realize the cost there. It's a little prohibitive because now you have two top coats. You might have longer longevity than even a siloxane or fluorourethane ultra weatherable top coat. Let me take this opportunity right now. If you specifically as a listener want to talk about this topic more, please call into tech service. We will talk about this with you because there is a tremendous amount of information to show how much durability a clear coat adds to a system. And we can get into all sorts of cost of systems specifically to talk about this, to change uh, ultra weatherable and adding a clear coat to a urethane. This is a whole different topic and and it's not covered in this document. They don't they don't get into clear coats at all. I actually just thought of another episode that we should probably do is talk about why you should always clear coat when you're doing a metallic top coat. It seems the automotive industry has been doing this for decades. Yeah. Yeah. You know, have. and there's a reason for it. They don't do anything just by haphazard. You know, everything has been tested and reviewed. 
keep in mind that if you, you start with that basic three coat system, all we're ever trying to do as we design other systems is try to match the performance of that system. But we usually try to get there uh, with some kind of value to either the owner, engineer, or contractor. And, and when I say value, because when we start to look at two coats that systems that perform similarly, now you're saving on labor costs and additionally you're saving on some material cost. And that's when we're looking at something like a zinc-rich coating plus a polysiloxane. That's right, Jack. That was a great transition into into the next topic here. When, and if just by changing, if we look at the three-coat system of the organic zinc, epoxy, polysiloxane, as opposed to organic zinc, polysiloxane, the only thing we did was take out the epoxy coat. When we're looking at this report, the durability difference is rated at one year. That's no difference. Yeah, because keep in mind that these years that are given to us in this NACE document, the corrosion, uh, the cost of corrosion control through coatings, they're estimates. Yeah, and they're averages. It's all of the paint companies have come together. All of the manufacturers have come together and kind of worked out a series of averages. And the averages are based on real world use. It's based on testing, which we've just talked about in a few previous episodes. It's an average. So when you're looking at an average of 29 years or 30 years, that's not different. No. And part of that is, is as some people know, is polysiloxane, some forms are epoxy modified. And, and so they kind of have the epoxy already in there. And that, that has to help with the longevity. Also keep in mind that your typical thickness for a polysiloxane oh. is about the same as those two coats, you know, you're usually putting on about seven mils of polysiloxane and you're looking at, you know, three to five mils typically for an epoxy and two to three for urethane. So you're really in that kind of same ballpark just with one coating. Because remember, we, we've talked about in the past, all coatings are permeable. Eventually things are going to take, you know, they're going to break through and, and you need that extra thickness to assure that you're not going to break down prematurely. That's right. So looking at the other systems, you know, we talked about, and, and it doesn't take a lot to draw these conclusions where we're at now. So if you, if you think about the different top coats that we talked about last week and just change them in and out of this zinc epoxy system, that's where you're going to see the different longevity. So you got your zinc epoxy polyurethane is going to be kind of the standard. Uh, you get a little bit more out of polysiloxane as your top coat and a little bit more there for urethane. But splitting hairs, Paul, what, what are the years differences there? Literally looking at the chart, Jack, it's one year each time. So we go from a 28 year to a 30 year with three different variations. Those are the same. But I don't want people to think, hey, if I buy a three coat system with a polyurethane on top, like why do I spend all this money for the floral urethane if it's only going to give me one more year? Because there's a very drastic difference in the aesthetic properties. Because this isn't when it gets ugly, we're going to recode it. This is when it's going to fail and you're going to have a real corrosion problem. So the difference, why, why you spend the money on those top coats is they look good the whole time. That's an excellent distinction to make there, Jack, is that what are we considering failure? And this is the topic of this document is corrosion control. 
So we're not talking about aesthetics. So if your water tank is sitting in the South Texas sun, you're going to want that color and gloss retention that a fluorourethane brings to you as opposed to just a polyurethane. And that's going to be really important for how you feel about what it is or how it looks for while it's working. You know, it's not just corrosion control on those scenarios. Exactly. And and that's why you spend the money on those coats because yep. you want it to look good the whole time, you know? Yep. And, and that's where Paul and his guys can come in and really help you guys look at the specific situation that you're in and navigate that in order to give yourself your best foot forward. We like to, you know, give you more than one option when you call with a problem, especially right. like if you're new to the industry and you're trying, you know, you got a paint specification dumped on your lap. These guys are the guys to talk to. They are going to help you out. They're going to teach you so many different things about how to get to the right end result because you know, this is a little self-serving, a little bit of kind of, I'm on a carb line soapbox here, but we like to avoid problems. We don't like you to have problems. We don't like to have problems because when we have problems, they cause headaches and nobody likes a headache. And uh, if you have a problem, we have a headache. So we don't want that. Work with Paul, work with his guys. They're really going to get you in the best position. I think this is, we're getting close to time and we've kind of had the like 1,000, 100,000 foot view, (laughs) not the (laughs) 10,000 foot view because there's so much variability to these systems. There's so many different ways to engineer them. And literally uh, something that you do on one end of a plant, you might do something different on the other end of a plant just because of uh, what uh, other machinery may be around, what other uh, chemicals may be present and things like that. One of the things that's great is when you have a very full product line like we do, there's a lot of um, navigation that you can do to come up with a good product system. I think that we should end by talking generically when we're, we're looking at all these systems, we're trying to pick all these systems. You know, if a two code system isn't as good as a three code system, why would we ever do a two code system, vice versa, things like that? Well, that all goes back to the episode we did about the different things that go into a coding recommendation. Sometimes, you know, while a three coat system is great, you might not have the time you need to apply that. That's right. And sometimes it comes into a matter of conditions, you know, where we may have to switch a product out and it gives us the ability to do two coats, but we had to do it because of environmental conditions at the time, whether we needed more moisture resistance or less moisture necessity, whatever those conditions might be. We want to, once we understand what's going on, we can help kind of tailor things that, that will get you to the same performance level and maybe have to do it with some alternate products. Yeah. There's lots of ways to go about it. There's good, better, and best. And, and, and everybody's got different budgets. Not everybody that goes out to buy a car buys a Ferrari. So not everybody that goes for a paint and coat system needs that Ferrari. And I think that's something that get, gets lost sometimes uh, when, when you get into these deep technical conversations within the industry, because everybody has this natural inclination to go to the very, very best. And why would you want to do anything less? But then I feel like that's a very unrealistic, like stuck in an office view as opposed to (laughs) like, like a real, real world view. And and that's, and that's something that we want to help you guys with. So long story short, 
Three coat system is what makes the world go round. It is uh, what every <laughs> corrosion engineered system is designed to compete with. And you can see how changing out the different top coats that have different properties are going to affect the cost associated with those systems. Absolutely. All right. For that, I think, I think we've covered this topic pretty well. And, you know, there's obviously we didn't give you a full guide to the cost of everything that could come up in a, in a corrosion control program through coatings. But we hope that this was a little bit informative, especially if you're new to the industry, to kind of to feel your way through. If you have any more questions, technical service at carboline.com. Uh, but thanks. We'll see you again next week. And so for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. support.